Open your Bibles to Romans chapter 9, verse 33. I'll read one verse there and then move to the 10th chapter. Please stand for the reading of God's Word. Romans chapter 9, verse 33. As it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling block and rock of offense, and whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Chapter 10 and verse 33. Verse 11. For the Scripture saith, not 33 verses in chapter 10. Verse 11. For the Scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. You may be seated. The title of my message is Unashamed and Uncompromising. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Make no mistake about it. There are some people ashamed of Jesus. Jesus is a stumbling block to some a stumbling stone to some, but are also a rock of offense. But he's the rock of ages. He's the chief cornerstone to those who come to trust him and put their faith in him. The ninth chapter of Romans in verse 23 says, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed, unashamed, uncompromising. We're not ashamed of Jesus, we're not ashamed of the gospel, and we will never compromise its truths and its claims. And Paul's pro proclamation in verse 16 of chapter 1 in Romans, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. This church was established as a place for people to come and feel safe about what is being taught and about what their children will learn and what will be transmitted to them in the various Sunday school classes and groups that meet together. It's a safe place. You can bring your friends here. You can bring family members here. Parents raise up their children by the teachings that are given to them right out of the Bible and teach them the Word of God. You must never, never, ever be ashamed of the testimony of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You must never be ashamed of the claims. You know, I appreciated the song that the ensemble, Get thee behind me, Satan. You're not going to make me fail. You're going to fail. Satan is the one who's the liar. The truth is presented, and we believe the truth. Many things have happened in the church world, though, that have brought consternation and disgrace and shame to the body of Christ. We feel that reproach has been brought on the body of Christ because of moral failures, because of financial misdoings, and people have brought reproach upon the cause of Christ. And that does happen, and when it does, it makes the headline news. I mean, people are drawn to that kind of information. But you must remember one thing. Religion should never be built around the personality of one person or one group of people. Christianity is not just a religion. It's a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Many people have been deceived 
and have been destroyed because of the failure of some leader. Think of the Jim Jones clan and cult. Think of the David Koresh cult in Waco, Texas. You think of many others. You could add to that list, and people even in our lifetime have been led down the wrong path and have been disappointed and some paid for it dearly with their lives. God has a way of destroying false religions. Over a period of time, they ebb and fall away. Think of the Tower of Babel in the book of Genesis. I mentioned this in my sermon last Sunday night, how the Tower of Babel was built as a tower into the heavens, unto the heavens. It was an attempt of man to replace God. No need for God, we'll build our own God. And on top of this platform, we'll make our sacrifices and we will not need Jehovah God any longer. But the Bible teaches us God came down to see what was going on. He came down to see. And they said among themselves, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, let us go down and confound their language. And they did and scattered the people abroad upon the face of the earth. And people's languages were confused and they had to learn to live under a new um, arrangement by the language that they could be familiar with. Again, I want to repeat something. Christianity is not a religion. It is not a building. It is not an organization. It is not a denomination. It is following Jesus. It's the body of Christ. Christianity is made up of all of those who are born again, washed in Jesus' blood. Their names are recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life and they are believers in Christ. You know, we can build a building. We've built many buildings overseas. Our MAPS teams go there and Monday through Thursday, they put up a building, put a roof on it and have a service and dedicate it on Thursday night. And it's an incredible thing to be a part of and to watch and observe. But that's a building, that's not a church. It's a church building and it houses the people. You're the church. Every person that's saved, you're part of the Lord's church. The Greek word for church is ekklesia. It means a group of called out people, believers that believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, that have been born again. Their sins have been forgiven. They're washed in Jesus' blood. Their names have been recorded on the Lamb's book of life. And the church is constituted of every believer, the universal church of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not assembly of God. It's not Pentecostal holiness. It's not church of God. It's not Baptist, Methodist. Presbyterian or any other denomination. It is the church made up. It's the invisible church, the invisible body of believers, past, present, and future. All the believers who have accepted Christ as Lord and Savior. All over the world, there are temples and shrines and cathedrals and buildings that have been torn down and they're left. There's nothing more than rubble. And sometimes they're buried and archaeologists dig among the ruins there to try to find out what that was all about in those days. It's a vain attempt of man to build a church. We can't build a church. We can build a building, but not the church. The ancient empires were controlled by religion, oftentimes. But those empires crumbled and fell and were destroyed and came apart because they were not built upon the rock, the Lord Jesus Christ. Upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That rock was Christ. Peter confessed, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. When Jesus said, who do men say that I am? 
Peter said, and the other apostles, some believe that you're John the Baptist or Elijah, one of the prophets. But whom do you say that I am? Peter said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Christ responded by saying, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father. And upon this rock I will build my church, not on Peter, but upon this rock that Peter confessed, that thou art the Christ, the revelation that God gave him, that Jesus is the Son of God. Upon that rock, Christ builds his church. He's the chief cornerstone. He is the foundation, and the church is built upon him. And the gates of hell shall never prevail against him. We're not ashamed of the church. We're not ashamed of the gospel, the message of the church. Hell can never destroy God's church. Spiritual failure may make us ashamed of some things that go on in the name of the church, but we're not ashamed of the church, the body of Christ. Many people have fallen prey to this belief that one person represents everything. And when their leader falls, all of their hope fades and they just drop out of church. They're non-existent. They don't even go to church anymore. But something brings them back. Maybe it's cancer. Maybe it's a heart attack or an accident on the highway. I always say, they'll be back. The time will come. They'll be back. They need healing. They need prayer. They need funerals. They need weddings. They need baby dedications. They need counseling. And so when people get angry at the church, they shouldn't be angry at the church. They may some person in the church have failed you, but the church is not responsible for that individual's failure. The devil did it to them. I'm not ashamed of the church, and I'm not ashamed of the gospel. The gospel is the message of life. It's the ministry of Jesus, of his miracles, and of his healings, of his death, and his resurrection, and his ascension, and the promise that he's coming back again. We may encounter opposition when the church is doing its business and work. Pentecostal pioneers paid a dear price to establish the Assemblies of God, the Churches of God, the Pentecostal holiness. Brickbats were thrown into their meeting, rotten tomatoes, rotten eggs. People cut tent ropes down. They burned their buildings, burned their brush arbors, and destroyed their places of assembly. But it never stopped the Lord's church. They continued right on. The Apostle Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning with verse 23, I've been in journeyings often, in perils of waters, perils of robbers, perils of mine own countrymen, perils by the heathen, perils in the city, perils in the wilderness, perils in the sea, and perils among false brethren. His life was constantly in danger. At one point, he had to be let down over a wall in a basket to escape those who were going to kill him. Another time, he was led outside the city in stone and left for dead. The brethren gathered around him and prayed for him, and God raised him up, and he went into the next city to preach the gospel. I'm sometimes amazed at the loss of respect that people have for the Lord's church. They've been affected by negative accounts given to them, sometimes by people who've been a part of the church, who've been even a leader in the church, and they begin to speak negatively, and people lose their confidence in the church. You should never lose your confidence in the church because of somebody's gripe or complaint, because somebody doesn't see things the same way some of the leaders do. 
You ought to just pray for the person that's gotten cross. They need to get straightened out, get back in harmony with the kingdom of God. I like Bill Johnson's assessment of the church. <laughs> he always says, I'm a, I'm a part of the best church in America. <laughs> Amen. You know why I can say that? Because God's will is that he be right here where he is. Wherever God's will is for you, wherever that church is, that's the best church in the world for you. It may be someplace in a small tenement building somewhere where people are having services. It could be in a mega church building somewhere. Wherever God's will for you is, that is the best church in the world for you. The best place and the safest place on the face of this earth is for you to be in the center of God's perfect will. The gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. What is the gospel? It's the power of God unto salvation. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so as the gospel is preached, people get faith to be saved. Salvation is the object. And that again means that you must be born again. You don't just join the church. You don't just get baptized in water. It's not like signing a card. It's all about being born into the family of God. Having God include your name in heaven in the Lamb's book of life. Jesus said in John 3, verse 3, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So if you haven't been born again, you're not saved. I don't know how many people I might have here under the sound of my voice today. You've never had a born-again experience. I'm telling you, you need, before you leave this building today, to get born again. Jesus said you must be born again. You must repent of your sins. You must be sorry for your sins. You must ask God to forgive you and turn away from those sins. And then you know what you have to do next? You have to accept God's forgiveness. As long as you will not accept God's forgiveness, you're keeping that load of sin upon your life. Get rid of it. Unload today. Say, I'm leaving this at the cross. And I accept God's forgiveness. And then you need to forgive yourself. You need to forgive others who've wronged you, and you need to forgive yourself. But the final thing that really cinches it for you is you've got to receive Jesus Christ. Believe on him with all of your heart and receive him as your Lord and Savior. I want you to acknowledge in your heart that he is Lord, that he is the God of this universe, but then I want you to say he's my Lord. He is my Lord. You can be saved today before you leave this place. You don't have to go out of here and risk being run over by a car. You don't have to risk having a heart attack and missing heaven just by the skin of your teeth, so to speak. You're in this room here today, and God's doing business. God's on the throne. He's looking right down where you are. He knows where you're sitting. He knows what's going on in your mind, and he wants to lift that heavy load right off of your shoulders. Out of your heart, he wants to take that blackness of sin and put the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus inside of you. And then you will not be ashamed of Christ. You will not be ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the old-time religion. You know, I was brought up to respect biblical truths. And we even respected some things that wasn't in the Bible. I learned later that I was, uh, had some regulations in my life that wasn't required. When I was being brought up, I, it was a sin to read Little Orphan Annie and Dick Tracy and Alley Oop. 
That dates me, doesn't it? Well, it dates you too. You know what it reveals? You're in this modernist age that doesn't believe in alley oop and, and little orphan. I don't know why they did away with those good things and all that trash that's in there today. My wife still reads the comic page. I don't read it because it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It challenges my mentality. Oh, man. <laughs> there was excitement. There was pathos. I mean, there was real patriotism. It was all-American man, Dick Tracy. I better preach Jesus. <laughs> I'm not ashamed of what we believe in the Genesis account of creation that God created everything. He made everything. Man fell because of transgression. We believe that. I'm not ashamed to believe that the Bible is the inspired Word of God. From cover to cover, it is the Word of God. I'm not ashamed of heaven. I'm not ashamed that we believe there's a literal hell. There's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. I'm not ashamed of the virgin birth of Christ, that we believe that he was virgin born. I'm not ashamed of his sinless life and his sacrificial death. I'm not ashamed of his burial and his resurrection. I'm not ashamed of his ascension and his promise that he's coming back again. We should believe everything in this Bible. We should believe divine healing. We should believe in the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. We should believe in the gifts of the Spirit and the supernatural and signs and wonders. We should believe in sanctification. Doesn't matter to me if it's a second definite work or another one down the road. It's a definite work. It needs to happen. Everybody needs to live a sanctified life. And maybe some who got the second definite work needs another. Another definite work of sanctification. Some that got the second definite work definitely need more sanctification. You know, people used to tarry at the altar to get sanctified. It's still a good place to do it. These altars are open. You tarry here, you'll leave out better than you came in. I am ashamed of teachers who use gimmicks to extort money from people. I am ashamed of teachers that tailor the message for itching ears. I am ashamed of low morals and worldly practices in the church. I am ashamed of the lack of financial integrity. I am ashamed of gossip and of slander and of backbiting. I'm ashamed of many of the things that people who call themselves Christians are doing. We know that we're hurting and we're wounded. I'm not ashamed of Jesus. We must believe in him. We must receive him. Jesus said in Luke chapter 9 and verse 26, Whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he shall come in his glory and in his fathers and of the holy angels. We should never be ashamed of his cross. Lift up the cross of Jesus Christ. Doesn't matter whether it's on the building out front or you wear it on your lapel. You need to be a Never be ashamed of the biblical truth of the cross that Jesus died on. Peter made that great confession, and Jesus said, Blessed art thou. You're blessed if you believe in the Lord's church. 
You're blessed if you believe in the deity of Christ. Listen to these positive words. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He was in the world, and the world was made by Him, and the world knew Him not. The many who believe in different theories about creation. The Bible gives us the correct information. It's not a theory, it's the correct information. God created this world, and Jesus Christ, the living Word, was there and flung the world from His fingertips. He started the earth spinning on its axis, revolving around the sun, and He made the stars to twinkle in the skies, and He has given life to every person. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Remember, Jesus is God. He's equal with God the Father and God the Holy Ghost. Equal with God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, a co-equal. Their only roles are different, different roles, but wonderful personalities with a divine unity. One God made up of three distinct persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. God is the creator. The Son is the coordinator. The Holy Spirit is the expediter. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Jesus said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is, which was, and which is to come. The Almighty, Revelation chapter 1 and verse 8. Also in Romans chapter 8 and verse 3, for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 9 says, In Him dwelleth the fullness of all the Godhead fully, bodily. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 2, Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. It is important that we confess that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. If we do, that spirit is of God. I think I want to stop and do that right now. I confess that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. Everybody say that. I confess that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. Listen to this. Every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. This is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof you have heard that it should come. Even now, already it is in the world. If you want to know the truth about some religion or group of people who are peddling their information everywhere that you look and hear, then you find out what they believe about Jesus Christ. If they do not believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that He has come in the flesh, the Bible says right here that they have the spirit of the Antichrist. Let me read it for you one more time. Every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. This is that spirit of Antichrist whereof you have heard that it should come and even now already it is in the world. We've had people come right on these premises. Happened last Sunday and try to convince people that Jesus Christ is not the Son of God. 
I want to tell you something. The spirit of the Antichrist denies that Jesus is the Son of God and that he came in the flesh, born of the Virgin Mary, died on the cross, was resurrected and ascended back to God and is coming back to this earth again. The spirit of the Antichrist denies that. But the spirit that is of Jesus Christ confesses that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that he is born in the flesh. For as much as ye know that ye were redeemed not with corruptible things such as silver and gold, for your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. How are we redeemed? Not with silver and gold, not with the schemes that man comes up with, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ as the Lamb of God. We're redeemed by the blood. I want everybody to confess, I'm saved by the blood. I'm saved by the blood. One more time. I'm saved by the blood. Shout it at me. I'm saved by the blood. Almost all things by the law are purged with blood. And without the shedding of blood is no remission. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I'm chief. I close with this information. He came to save you. He knows your whereabouts. He knows your address. He knows where you were last night. He knows what you did last week. He knows all about your sinful record. But he came to save sinners. Paul said, I was the chief one. But he came to save me. And on that Damascus road that day, he met Jesus. And it changed his life forever. You can have that life-changing experience. All you need to do, come to Jesus. Leave that lifestyle of sin. Turn your back on the world. Follow Christ. I want you to get out of the balcony. Come from the back or wherever you're seated in this room and come and kneel at this altar if you need Christ to be your Savior. I want everybody to bow your head and let us right now believe that God is going to change some lives Get up, friends, and walk down to this altar and kneel here today and let Jesus take that heavy burden off of your shoulders and out of your heart and transform you. You'll become a new person, a new creature in Christ Jesus. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Get up and walk down here. Come to the Lord Jesus. Thank you, brother. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Come on. We're waiting for you. All the way from the balcony. All the way. Someone will meet you here.